Welcome to the Winner Takes All podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything competition, whether it be sports, reality competitions, or whether Devontae Smith opted out of the second half of the national championship game to prepare for the NFL draft. If you're competing, we're talking about it. I am your host, Kevin G, and I'm here as always with my co-host, CJ. CJ, how are you doing, my friend? I'm I'm good. I'm a little bit stressed. You're stressed? Why I'm you stressed because, you know, just... Wedding prep. We are a right. little under 60 days away now. Okay. We got COVID restrictions hitting the town, which means we are making cuts. It's kind of brutal. That's okay. So you have to make cuts to like your wedding group. The so like have- attendees and decisions. So like when we first decided we're going to do this, uh-huh. we were going to get married in Mexico. Right. We invited 220 people. I was ready to go. I had my sombrero. I had my maracas packed. I was ready to go. I mean, we weren't going to have any of that, but sure, you could have worn it. You're an adult. Yeah. You're an adult. You can do what you want. Yeah. So 220 people and then COVID hit and a lot of people were like, well, we don't want to travel internationally. Right. And the venue was like, we can't have more than 50 people there and in Mexico. Yeah. So no more than 50 people. We were going to get married on the beach. They said no beach wedding. Um, and they said no dancing. These were their rules. So we're like, okay, well, I guess we're not going to do it in Mexico. So I look at future wife. I'm like, let's just push back a year. And she's like, we're getting married. We're getting married And I'm like, now. I'm not going anywhere. And she's like, you don't we're understand. We're getting married now. Yeah. And then she floated off the ground and her head did a 360. <laughs> and I got a little bit scared. So we're getting married. So then we decided to move it to Vegas. Right. And we go to our venue, and at the time, with COVID restrictions, we were allowed to have up to 85 people at the venue, which, okay, cool. Like, I can cut from 220 to 85 because a lot of the people that got cut are the people that, if you ever go through the wedding, your parents come to you and say, you have to invite so-and-so, and and you have to invite so-and-so, and and you have to invite so-and-so. So, like, on her family side, there was 96. What? Yes, of the 220, 96 were you have to invite from her family. 96 people from like, that you don't see on a regular basis? Yes. And then there was another 70 on my side. That's 160 people that y'all don't ever see. Cousin Patty. Did you see why it was easy to make these cuts? <laughs> so it's easy to go from. Real quick red line. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, because immediately when COVID restrictions are brought into play, both sets of parents go, invite who you want. Like, we don't care invite who you want. They, they understand, man. You at least see that part. Right? Yeah. So now, you know, we get down to 85. So we cut down to 92. Okay. Of just like people we want there. Um, We assume some are going to say no, which will get us to 85. We'll be cool. Cool, cool, cool. And then in December, our lovely governor here, Steve Sisolak, who doing the best he can with the hand that he was dealt. Yeah. I don't hold anything against him. He says no more than 50. So the 50 restriction you had in Mexico is now you said here. No to came here. And now you actually have 50 here too. hold up. I didn't say no. Oh, <laughs> I said, let's wait a year. Right, 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 right. So someone who will not be named said, okay, we're plowing through here now. Well, she's not going to listen to this anyway. I know <laughs> she's heard two of them. She happened to be here for both of them, which is awesome. So she's like, let's plow ahead. We're doing 50. So it's like, Mm, okay. All right. Well, maybe he'll lift the restrictions, you know, like maybe things will get better with COVID. This is in November. We're good. We're good. 
restrictions stay in place through December. Right. Okay. We're going to extend our quote unquote pause is what he's calling it. So he does a press conference this week on Monday and the pause is extended for another 30 days. Well, now it's, so now invites have to go out. Right. Which means now I have to cut to 50 and it's tough. Like we've already like talked about who gets to come and who doesn't, but we haven't like sat down and And written out the names. Yeah. Like we haven't butted heads about it and it sucks because now it's like, it's the people like the people in our COVID bubble are obviously safe. Right. And it's going to be the people that like you want there and maybe you don't see them every day, but you still want them to be there are going to be the ones that it's like, "Mm, you can't come or you're on standby so that if it goes back up, you're immediately invited or people back out, you're invited. But like the people that are easy, like it would be a lot easier for me to have the conversation with you that, hey, you're on standby, but like, I actually want you there versus like some of the other people I'm going to be talking to. I'm going to be like, I want you there, but you're on the standby list. Can we do a whole tournament selection show where we have the last four in and the first four out? Wow. Maybe. Let's talk about this after the show. <laughs> Last 10 in. As you're sitting there, everyone's watching at their homes. Wow. As we do a live stream show. <laughs> the last 10 in. Aaron. Oh, yes. You can cut to Aaron's house. Yes. 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 <laughs> and then the last name number 50. I think we could Tim. And then that's, that's when you cut to like Claudia's house or like Samantha's house. And they're like <laughs> crestfallen because they thought that they had a shot to get into the wedding. And they didn't quite make it. <laughs> like, how I great mean, would that be? No, but like, so yeah. I mean, you can be, you can host Bracketology one on one. We can, we can figure out the distribution rights. But like, <laughs> now I'm talking about this on the podcast, and I'm wondering, is this going to incentivize people to like hit up our registry to make sure the gift gets here before we send out the invites, just to try to slide their way in there? That would be great. It's like, it's like, I hear, I bet somebody's listening to this right now, like hammering the like immediate delivery. How do we get into the thing? Yes. Uh, That'd be great. It would be great. Okay. We're going to, so listen to our podcast episode where we do the bracketology of the last 10, first 10 out. (laughs) So we've, Based off of preliminary discussions, you joke about this, but based off of preliminary discussions, we went from 92 to 65. Okay, so there's still 15. And that's where the fight's going to be. Okay, great. So that 15 is going to be fantastic. You got to put them in separate pods, right? And then like only two will make it from each pod or something like that. Oh, man. (laughs) Like World Cup. Yeah. Jesus. (laughs) In group A, we have Aaron, (laughs) Claudia, Stephen, and Samantha. So you have to oh, choose two to get in there. It's going to be rough. <laughs> I heard that group sees the group of death. It's your mom, your sisters, and your dad. It's the group of death. What only two of them make it out. I was actually thinking about making my sisters fight for one seat. <laughs> Trial by combat. Trial by combat. Yes. That would be scary. Because one of them has to die. Which I save money on Christmas presents. True, but you would get neither one of them because the other one would be a murderer. Again, I save money on Christmas. Ah, presents. galaxy brain. I get yes. it. I get it. CJ, let's get into the show. All right. <laughs> so this week we're going to be talking about 
the NFL and everything that happened leading up to this week. We're going to have some Bachelor Talk, Queen Victoria. We're also going to talk about some challenge. But before we do any of that, I want to talk about this James Harden deal. That deal. So we're in a group chat with Dr. John V.A., yeah, if you listen to our if you listen to our basketball preview episode, the doctor she was in our group chat along yeah. with um, future podcast podcast guest Taylor, yeah. um, Paul, some other people, some other good friends of ours. Yeah, yeah some of them have popped up across the uh, Fury podcast, podcast network. network. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have another group chat where we talked about it with our producer Albert and mm-hmm. some other friends. I saw it first and immediately sent the Woj bombs to the groups. Mm-hmm. Actually, I saw it. When I was working, before I got your Woj bomb, mm-hmm. because I follow Schefter on Twitter, and he, it was such a huge Woj bomb that he tweeted it. Interesting. Yeah, and he was like reporting from Woj and Ramona Shel- uh, Shelburne. Yeah, it was they were joint reporting it. Right. So I saw that like come across, which I thought was odd to have a Woj bomb like auto come to my phone. Right. But yeah, it, it was that big. So I saw it immediately. And shared it. And like my immediate takeaway as I what as I saw what was given up in order to bring Harden to Brooklyn mm-hmm. was Kevin Durant left the Warriors because he said they didn't have a way to get better to go to this team that had a lot of young players who were good as well as being assets and they were under the cap and everything. Right. And you just gutted this team to bring in a third star, which now you're in the same position you were in when you left the Warriors with arguably one lesser talent and another one who is comparable, hardened to Curry, but much harder to get along with. Like what was, I don't know if you raised your ceiling, but you definitely lowered your floor. Yeah. So the deal was a huge blockbuster deal. Bunch of moving pieces. What I got here, I'm going to go through it. It was a four-team deal. The Nets acquired James Harden from the Rockets. But a part of this four-team deal, it included the Cavaliers and the Pacers. So the Nets got James Harden and a second-round pick. The Rockets got back Dante Exum, Rodinius. Karukas, I don't know that guy's name. Never heard of him prior to this trade. Right. Victor Oladipo, four first-round picks, all unprotected. Four first-round pick swaps, also unprotected. So for those that don't know, in the NBA, you cannot trade back-to-back first-round picks. So if you traded your 2022 pick, you could not trade your 2023 pick. But in turn, the Nets and the Rockets have a pick swap. And what that means is that whoever has the lower pick, the Rockets will get. So quick aside about this rule. You're allowed to trade the pick, but you have to make the pick. And you can trade the player. Yeah, you could trade the player drafted, but you have to at least make a selection once every other year, which is to avoid to help avoid teams from basically gutting their whole team uh-huh. and having nothing to help show for it. Correct. The now, if you heard I said Victor Oladipo and Dante Exum were including this deal, it's because the Nets, uh, the Pacers gave up Victor Oladipo and got Karis Levert from the Nets along with the second round pick. And then Dante Exum came over from the Cavs, who got Jared Allen 
and Tarian Prince. The picks that the Rockets received were the 2022, 2024, and 2026 Nets picks unprotected. So they have multiple picks that year, those years. They also got pick swaps for 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. And then they finally got the Cavs pick for 2022. That's really the Bucks pick, so it's probably going to be a high-level first-round pick. They got that complete haul for just giving up James Harden because that's all the Rockets lost was James Harden. Right. And I think one of these second-round picks is one of theirs. It's insane that this one player who was a monster on and off the court was able to command such such a bounty. So here's the thing about the NBA is the NBA is all about superstars. Like every team is hunting for superstars. And anytime you have a shot to get one, you give up the farm, which I understand. Right. It's a win now type situation. And when I said that, I don't know if this makes the Nets better. I really don't because they gave up a lot of depth. To, so they gave up Karis LeVert, who has been a very solid player for them. Yes. They gave up Jared Allen, who is better than DeAndre Jordan. I was about to say that. Yep. Uh, and they gave up their future with all those picks. And like, even if you assume they're going to be good for a long time, they are like, you still need those draft picks. Torian Prince, another rotation piece added to the fact that Spencer Dinwiddie is out for the year with a torn ACL. Yeah. You just gave up half your rotation. Like half your rotation is out of service on this deal to bring in one player who doesn't play defense. Who plays no defense. Right. And I think he only has two years left on his deal. Also, all three deals line up so that they have player options for the 2022-2023 season. So if this doesn't work, someone could just leave. Well, all, all of them could leave. Like you have two years. This is a two-year title window that you just gave up the farm for. You gave and up picks to 2027 for. So like we talked about this in our NBA preview and I thought the Nets were going to get out of the East. And I realized that this makes them, this raises their ceiling by having the third superstar, but it lowers their floor. And I think with a team like this, whereas before they had the balance because they had so many different dudes now, because it's Kyrie Durant and Harden, like I could see them having more problems with the Celtics. I could see them having more problems with the Bucs than they would have originally. So who's going to defend Jalen Brown when when Jason Tatum Tatum is being defended by Kevin Durant? Exactly. Like, that's what you have, like, a Karis LeVert for. You had bodies. Like, Spencer Dinwiddie, injury aside, you had multiple dudes you could throw at him, and you no longer have that. I want to play this out. NBA Finals. Nets versus Lakers. Uh-huh. You have Shorter playing playing the one. Who's guarding Shorter? I guess Kyrie. Yeah. At the two, you have Harden. Harden being guarded guarding um who plays the two for the Lakers? Uh Wes Matthews. Yeah. You have LeBron being guarded by Kevin Durant obviously. Yeah. Who was supposed to handle Anthony Davis? DeAndre? Because no. Jared Allen is at least young and athletic. Yeah. But he's not there anymore. Right. I well, mean, or do you have uh, Joe Harris? I guess. Because- Guard LeBron, and then you have Durant cover Anthony Davis? 
I don't see that's that's where like you said they got worse. It just got worse, and then you still have Tht, uh, Tellerhorn Tucker. He's yeah, really coming into his own in the second year. So like this is the problem I had when I looked at this deal as a Warriors fan. Durant publicly said like Achilles aside, a lot of people think he left because he was mad about the injury. Achilles or not, what he said about leaving the Warriors made a lot of sense, which is we have three dudes on max deals already. If I take a max deal, I am the fourth dude on a max deal. How do we get better? Because we have no money and all we have are low first round picks. This is the problem with this deal is you just went to the Nets. They had the infrastructure. They had young players. They had affordable contracts. You had ways to get better. And I don't know if this deal makes you better, but it sure as hell took all your flexibility. So now you're on the poor man's warriors. Like Sp- Spencer Dinwiddie is not Clay Thompson. No. But both of them are out for the year. Yeah. And would you rather play with Kyrie and James Harden or Draymond and Steph? I mean, it's a good point. Like, obviously, Harden and Kyrie are going to make your life a lot easier on offense, but at what cost on defense? Right. Like, Draymond orchestrated things. Playing with Steph and Durant, you're not stopping them both. You can't. Yeah, and I think part of the psychology was the Warriors were never going to be Durant's team, which is why he left. It was always going to be Steph's team because if you're from the Bay Area, Steph is the savior. Like, he took that team out of mediocrity for 20 years. So, but are the Nets Kevin Durant's team? I guess. They d- the Nets are immediately Kevin Durant's team as soon as he goes there, which if that's what he wants, that's what he wants. But how does Kyrie feel about this? Where is Kyrie? So, Galaxy Brain question I saw on Twitter. Did Kyrie sit out the last week to force their hand? That would be weird. But Kyrie's a weird dude. Yeah. I don't know. Because some people were like, well, the reason Kyrie was sitting out was because he didn't want to be included in the Harden trade conversation, which I don't He would never have been. He never would have been included because the The point was to get a third. Well, the Rockets wanted to get younger. And they have John Wall. Yeah, and they wanted picks. And John Wall and Kyrie would not work. Yeah. So that was whoever thought about that, whatever Twitter theory that was, that was a bad one. Yeah. I, but. I do buy into the forcing in their hand. Uh-huh. Kyrie saying, I'm not happy with the way things are going. Bring in my other friend. Like, I'm tired of these super friend teams. I'm not. I like super I, I like it because you're playing with people who you want to play with. It's not it's not their fault that they're all really good. No, that that's not the problem I have with the super friend teams. The problem I have with the super friend teams is that they decide to get together and how often does it actually work oh it doesn't but that's their own decision that's the problem I have. <laughs> like you're They're looking at oh. you're looking at paul george and uh Kawhi, like we're gonna be the super friends we're gonna pair up in la and now the clippers have mortgaged the future for these two and are those two good enough to win you a title well th- this podcast is a super friend team does this not work are we winning any podcast titles not yet we just started well, so let's take some time. You got to bolt. Well, I like, have an opt out at the end of this year. Just so. like yeah, just like KD, just like Harden, just like Kyrie. It's gonna need time to meld, time to mold. Well, I have an opt out at the end of this year. So if this doesn't work for me, <laughs> then uh, off to the next show. Yeah, I'm off to the next. Hey, show. Hey Ringer, we'll see, we'll see you. Join the Ringer. <laughs>
Okay, like that's enough about James Harden, Kyrie. I, I don't know what's eventually going to happen there, but it's going to be an interesting experiment to watch. I'm already looking forward to our next NBA preview pod because I think I'm taking the Nets out of the Eastern Conference uh, finalist. Yeah, like when we look at the halfway point. Yes, when we do the uh, the the restart preview because yes. it's gonna end, it's gonna stop because mm-hmm. everything. I mean, a bunch of games have been canceled. Oh, we haven't even talked about NBA COVID. We'll talk about COVID next week. Yes, I want to switch gears to football. I think our two minute drill was a really big, really popular segment last week. So we're gonna do four minutes on each team, each matchup. Also, instead of like the hurry up, you want to do the run out the clock offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to do because we're going to talk about eight teams. We're going to talk about their games that got them here Mm -hmm. and uh, how this is looking, like where they started and how it's looking, how it's going, you know? Yes. Like that TikTok meme thing. All right. So starting with, let's start when the clock now, Rams, Green Bay. Rams beat the Seahawks last week. They did. Uh, The Seahawks look terrible. (laughs) <laughs> they got their offensive. The Rams got the Seahawks offensive coordinator fired. I just couldn't believe that how bad they looked. Even with Warford going out, they lost their quarterback, their backup starting quarterback, right? Backup starting. He was the backup. Quarterback, so he was the he backup, was but he started. But right. then he got hurt. So then Jared Goff, who was the starter, came in as the backup. Right. So then Goff finished the game. So then this week, the Rams announced yesterday that. Jared Goff was starting, so which I didn't starter, think he needed to do. Because the starter who was the backup is now the starter? Right. Okay. And then the backup who was the starter who was the backup is out. So he's out. out, which means Blake Bortles is now the backup. Okay. Who used to be a starter somewhere else? In Jacksonville. Just, I just wanted to complete that. So he's out. Aaron Donald may play because he got hurt. Russell so he, Wilson, dirty play. Oh, yeah. Russell. <laughs> <laughs> so future wife, huge Seahawks fan. When uh, Aaron Donald sacked Russell Wilson and fell on top of him and got hurt, I immediately looked at her and said, like, I told you Russell Wilson was a dirty player. <laughs> she didn't appreciate that. I had no. to sleep on the couch that night. It was funny. It, it was, was worth funny. it. Because you texted me that too. You're like, hey, dirty player. I, like, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing with it is Aaron Donald, he got to the quarterback. He was all up in Russell Wilson's face. So the Seahawks struggled all season stopping Aaron Donald. Yeah. But – this isn't supposed to be about the Seahawks. The Seahawks fired their offensive coordinator because they were world beaters the first half of the season. And then the second half of the season, teams were like, well, we're just going to play cover two and leave people over the top. And then Russell Wilson can't throw bombs. And then we'll stop the Seahawks. And they never made any adjustments. And and here they, that's why Schottenheimer got fired. Mm-hmm. But my question is, since the Rams are going to be playing the Packers, will they be able to, well, Aaron Donald and that, front four be able to get to Aaron Rodgers like they were able to be all over Russell Wilson. I don't know. So the brand or the Packers are having offensive line problems because of injuries and COVID. Right. They In got fact, that dude from the Colts, but he had COVID, so he's not playing. Right. So I don't know how they stop Aaron Donald. Additionally, I feel like Jalen Ramsey will probably be all over Devontae right. Adams. He's gonna wear him like he's gonna have to get worn like a scarf. Yeah. So I don't know who the Packers throw to. Like They've been fine, and Aaron Rodgers is probably going to win the MVP this year because of narrative. But I really wonder what they're going to do offensively because the Rams' defense has been lights out for the better half of the second part of the season. This is going to be a big Bob Tunyon game and a Aaron Jones game, I think. I 
The other thing is, is the the Packers defense very good when playing from ahead. Okay. Not so good when they're trying to stop the run. Mm-hmm. And in Sean McVay, I still trust. Right. And I like Cam Akers. Cam Akers is good. They should be getting Darrell Henderson back, but they mm-hmm. haven't announced if they are or not yet. Um, Malcolm Brown should be at full health. So, like, they should have all their running backs. They have their receivers. Jared Goff is another week removed from thumb surgery, so he should be getting better. Right. I, he didn't look good. He didn't look good. But he had he thumb was surgery. Still, well, so. he didn't look good, and he would still look better than Russell Wilson. Yeah, which is crazy, right? Which is really, really odd. But it is what it is how that game went. So I'm just I'm wondering if the if the Packers can't beat you by Devontae Adams, I don't know how they beat you. Who would that be in the case? Who are you, who are you picking to win? I think the Rams are going to win. I'm going to pick Green Bay. I like the Rams a lot, but I'm picking Green Bay on this one. Next game, Ravens, Bills. So the Ravens got here by beating the Titans, finally getting that monkey off their back. Lamar, after so many years, finally got a playoff win. <laughs> you say so many years, but like... His hashtag narrative. The, well, yeah, the stupid narrative, because the first playoff game, he had been the starter for, what, six weeks? <laughs> yeah. And then last year, yeah, he won the MVP, but and they got stopped. They got hit in the mouth. And it happens. It happens. This year, they're probably the worst their offense has looked of the three years. And then they get the win because the Titans couldn't stop the run. Right. And... They the, the defense, though, was able to stifle Derrick Henry and just shut him down. Right. They shut him down, and that was pretty impressive watching that game. But if, if you could run, if, if a team can run like the Ravens do, I expect them to beat most teams, including the Titans. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, though, the Bills played the Colts, and the Bills looked fantastic in the second half. They, it, they took it in a little bit. Those $10,000 tickets really got people going they had a nice crowd there but once the bills got rolling stefan diggs josh allen this has been lights out it was funny because watching that game my biggest takeaway from watching the bills was josh allen has to do too much for this team like they're very good but the fact that they couldn't beat them by running the ball that there there was no option other than josh allen god mode does does the bills go to another running back for third year in a row Maybe. Because they took they took Devin Singletary two years ago. Mm-hmm. They took Zach Moss last year. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them are still able to get it done in the run game. You're right that their best runner is Josh Allen. I honestly think they invest more in the line. Okay, that makes sense. Because I don't think it's necessarily the running backs because the way that the NFL works now is it's the scheme and the players that spring the running backs. It's not necessarily like a dominant running back is what's going to do it for you and you don't believe that look at the cowboys with zeke this year okay i get because their line was trash Uh but the question is okay so ravens bills the ravens are an extremely run heavy team they ran for 400 yards against the Bengals a couple weeks ago last week they still ran for like 200 yards right the bills defense has real strong cornerbacks they're not great against the run they haven't been great against the run all year is this where the Bills meet their match? So interesting thing to note, as of right now, the weather projection for the game, 38 degrees and snowing oh. at kickoff. Oh, okay. So good weather, I might pick the Bills, but I think if it's snowing, and it really depends on how hard it's snowing, if it's snowing hard and they can't throw the ball, I don't know how the Bills score. 
Right. Because they didn't have no run game. Uh-huh. Except for Josh Allen. And the Ravens had the worst passing offense in the NFL this year. Of course. And they're here. Like, Lamar throws, like, 15 passes total a game and completes four of them. Right. So, if they can't stop the uh, the pass, like, if, if they don't have to pass to win, the Ravens are in good shape. If the Bills have to pass the win, I think the weather is going to hurt them. But they're a cold-weather team, though. So, I don't know that John Brown, Cole Beasley... And Josh Allen aren't ready for this already. I say those three names specifically because Stephon Diggs hasn't played a snow game yet, I don't believe. But how do you track the ball in a snowstorm? I don't know. They figured it out. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you can't see it, how are you going to throw it? I, that's the problem. Good question. I don't know. So if that's the case, are you, snow or no snow, you need to make a pick. Who are you picking to win this game? Uh, I want to pick Ravens if it's snowing, Bills if it's not. I think I'm going to pick the Bills because I've just seen them roll over so many. I love teams. the Bills. I've, I've loved them so all, all so far this year. I'm taking the Bills too. I just I don't like the pick. Shout out to the Ravens. I still love the Ravens. Lamar Jackson is the man. I love that kid. Moving on, we got Browns, KC, right? Mm-hmm. KC obviously had the bye, but last week the Browns, the Browns were the Browns, as my guy Juju Smith Schuster said. And they went out there and rolled all over the Steelers. That game started with the snap over Ben Roethlisberger's head. And both Connor and Roethlisberger looked at the ball. And neither of them dove on it. And then the Browns were like, well, we'll just we'll dive on this it, in I the guess, end zone. If yeah. you want us to. And I knew the Steelers were losing at that point. 14 seconds into the game. So so at that moment, like it froze. And, said, and this is the moment the uh-huh. Steelers lost the game. The fact that neither of them dove on that ball. Yeah. Like Connor kind of dove on it, but not really. Like he dove off to the side so that ben he could try to dive on it. Though. No, but like here's the thing: he, the reason why he did that was because he was trying to make sure there wasn't a safety. Mm. So he was trying to make sure the ball stayed out of the end zone. So that way they when got he, the touchdown. But Ben didn't dive on it at all. Well, Ben can't dive on it. He has a glass hip. I don't well, know if you knew that. He's hurt. Yeah. Bad, bad. Well, okay. So he didn't want to win, obviously. So. <laughs> I mean, you got to put your body on the line if you're trying to win. He's put his body on the line for like 18 years. And which is why he should retire. It's probably time. So I'm, I'm not going to tell a person to retire, but it, it's not looking great. If you are playing to not get hurt, you should no longer be playing. I can see that. So I knew they were done then. After the game, we talked about it. I said, I think the Steelers need a complete overhaul of their offensive philosophy the next day they fired their offensive Mike coordinator. Mike Tomlin was like, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got rid of the offensive coordinator. So the Browns came out. They blasted them. Their offense looked great. Uh, Baker looked good in the playoffs, his first playoff game. Browns' first playoff game in 18 years. Mm-hmm. Browns' first playoff win in like 25 years, something crazy like that. So how does that defense stop Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City offense? They don't. Okay. They just don't. They're, they need help at corner. They need help in the secondary. And those are all the places that Patrick Mahomes likes to go. Yeah, so ball. I think this is going to be a very run-heavy Browns team. Like, the Browns are already a run-heavy team, but I think they're going to try to keep the Chiefs' offense off the field. Okay. They're going to try to play keep away. They're going to score when they can. Because I think this is one of those games where even if the Chiefs have 22 minutes of possession time, which I think possession time is an overrated stat because if you're scoring on, you know, four plays. Yeah. Who cares? 
but I think you're going to be trying to play keep away. So Kevin Stefanski is back as their coach. I believe he's been activated off the COVID list. I mean, he, the other coach was undefeated in the playoffs. Get out of here. So with him being back, I think you're right. They're going to be able to make those adjustments. I think you're going, we're going to see a heavy Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt attack. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see some stuff to Austin Hooper a lot. I think Jarvis is going to get taken away offensively. Rashad Higgins also taken away. People Jones. But, but like that's the thing is the uh, the Chiefs corners aren't great. They're serviceable. Like the Chiefs have a perfectly average NFL defense and an elite offense. The Browns have a very good offense and a bad defense. Like their front seven is legit. They're their secondary, not so much. Right. And I think the Browns are going to struggle, especially with the speed that the Chiefs receivers bring. Yeah, because Tyreek Hill, amazing. So fast. I know. He helped me win my fantasy league. I was very proud of him. He's just going to get behind defenses, and I think that's what's going to happen too. So Miles Garrett's going to try to get up in there, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to be enough. No, it's not. And like I said, I just, I think at the end of the day, the Chiefs score enough to win now if the browns have another turnover party like they did last week then we're seeing a different game but it's a different game i, I don't it. you can't catch lightning in a bottle twice i'm picking chiefs you're picking chiefs yes moving on to the bucks saints game the bucks played the washington football team tyler heineke hinke tyler heineke we're gonna call him tyler heineke he's looked great he looked great for right. backup he he did well um the bucks did fine I mean, I don't really have much to say about the Bucks. I've made my feelings on Tom Brady clear. Um, they got things done. They got the job done. It was a very methodical, like, just pick apart the defense. Yeah. I so, thought that Washington would be able to get more pressure on them. They did not. They they tried, though. They, they, were, they were trying to be up in there. I was watching but it. The fact that they didn't is the – I'm not shocked. Right. I thought that the offense would be a little bit – better but i also thought alex smith was going to play you know what though maroon four they did what they could uh adam levine did not leave maroon five if anyone's wondering if you were watching that game i had a fun time watching twitter on that game but you know a game that i enjoyed watching the saints bears game on nickelodeon you i clowned you all week for that game being on nickelodeon was that not the most entertaining game of the weekend it was the best game all when you say best game we're not talking about quality. No, the, the broadcast. The broadcast was the best broadcast. Man, Gabby, who was in the booth with Nate Burleson and the other guy, <laughs> the other guy's name. Noah Eagle. Yeah. She was fantastic. And she obviously knew nothing about football. She's a big fan of kicking. But she loved kicking. And then Lumpkin on the on the sideline. I forget the kid, <laughs> Lex Lumpkin or something like that. Yeah, he was like flossing on the sideline. Oh, he was uh, these were kids that were just having fun being kids. I think my favorite was early in the first quarter when they were getting ready to punt and they were talking about the punt returner and Gabby comes in with the, also his favorite is vanilla ice cream. (laughs) Fantastic. All of the cat dog references and the SpongeBob references and the Drake and Josh. Noah, Noah Eagle loves him some Drake and Josh. So, you know what I thought was really funny was uh, watching that game and immediately like first possession and they equate Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara to Keenan and Kel. Yeah. And I was like, no, like the target audience does not understand that reference. But they understood the reference later when they said dynamic duos and they had Drew Brees and Taysom Hill compared to SpongeBob and Patrick. Oh, man. 
And then I loved, like you said, the uh, Allen Robinson and David Montgomery on the Bears compared to Cat Dog. <laughs> can't like, have one without the other. Can't have one without the other. And I'm like, the kids don't understand that either. <laughs> it was so good. They were trying to tap into what they knew. And then they had Gabby and Lex doing terrible impressions, but the best they could. They're kids, man. They're 15. I don't know. Gabby's Cardi B was pretty good. Uh, it was okay. I, it I was enjoyed okay. it. His Denzel on the sideline wasn't great. No, it wasn't. Uh, his Obama also wasn't great. No, But it, it would not. be great for all that. I might watch all that because of those two. Because they're I, both on all that. I mean, I didn't know all that was back until I watched this game. Yeah, and it, it, they were great. Oh, and Sean Payton still got slimed, which was fantastic. After the game. Oh, the slime can- Okay, the slime cannons in the end zone. So much fun. Oh, I will refer to the end zone as the slime zone for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm going to be excited to see if anyone can get into the slime zone in this game. Bucks, Saints. I'm picking the Saints. Saints beat them twice already. Oh, yeah. The Saints. First time was an embarrassment. Second time was still a beating. I, I think the second game was more embarrassing than the first. See? That's what I'm saying. Like, so They smacked them the second time. There's not really much. We saw this twice this season. Right. So it's an old one. Of the thing that I did see was funny was on the hit. It was a. Uh, they said this game was gonna be played on the History Channel. I saw <laughs> that on Twitter and it had a picture of Tom Brady with like really really gray hair and Drew Brees like balding and really gray hair. Said this game was gonna be on the History Channel. I wouldn't watch it if it was on the History Channel, but I would watch it if it's on Nickelodeon. I, you know, I hope Nickelodeon gets more shows. Gets more games in the future. So. Which sport would be most improved by being aired on Nickelodeon? Baseball. You think baseball? Baseball. Because baseball is easy to follow. Mm-hmm. And if you add like fun stuff, like a little, put a little SpongeBob in the outfield and stuff, like running around, because they're not doing nothing, it would be, it would add to the fun for the kids. Okay. What do I you think? I see that. I was thinking golf. Golf would also be fun, but golf itself is a slower game. Right. And it takes much longer. Like we're talking about over days. Whereas baseball games still can be done in like three hours. And I mean, we talked to our buddy Matt. He said his son was actually watching the game with him. Oh, yeah. He said that his son said he loves that they made football for him. Yeah. And all they did was show the same game that he would normally watch. Yeah, but. They had SpongeBob and slime, slime cannons, and, and that's all it did. And he sat there and watched the game and enjoyed it. I think more games need to be on Nickelodeon, and I'm definitely going to watch. If there was a game a week on Nickelodeon, I would definitely peek in on it, watching the slime zone. If the Super Bowl is on Nickelodeon, would you watch it? Um, the Super Bowl, no, because of the commercials. So, but they ran the same commercials on so, Nickelodeon as they did on CBS. Depending on who's in the Super Bowl, I might. If it's two teams, I don't really care all that much about. At least it would add some fun. To it on the sidelines, you know, watch it, Nate Burleson, and then call the game. I'm recording the game on Nickelodeon, watching the real broadcast, watching the Nickelodeon broadcast later. Okay. And then just peeking in on Twitter um, to, to like highlight points that you need to watch. Oh, no, I'm, I'm dead on after like watching the full I, game. I was going to peek in on this one, but then we were all watching it and texting each other. I'm definitely watching that second game on Nickelodeon front to back, even though I know exactly what happens. I'm watching for the Nickelodeon. Our production. sports text thread was really popping because that was all of us were watching the game at the same time. Yes. And it was very enjoyable watching it on Nickelodeon. Right. And I forgot who said it, but they said, if you're not watching the game on Nickelodeon, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so much fun. It was great. All right. That was our football segment. I want to talk about Bachelor, man. All right. Queen Victoria reigns supreme. May, may, may forever she reign. Matt James had a very tough decision to make this weekend. He went on a one-on-one date with Bree, 
who is your front runner to win the game, win this uh, season of The Bachelor. Yep. He went on a, on a supersized group date with like 18 girls. And then he went on another one-on-one with Sarah, who was one of my front runners to win the game, win this season. On the date with Bree, they went ATV riding, and then she fell off, and she got dirty. Then they got into a jacuzzi. The other one-on-one date, they went on a biplane, flipped around a little bit, and then they went to dinner. I bring those things up because those are boring compared to the group date. <laughs> the- they were boring for us. Yeah. 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 But for the function of this is a one-on-one date and I'm trying to woo you, what's going to bring you closer than a near-death experience? <laughs> I like how he kept saying, your mom's going to kill me. <laughs> so he says that because, you know, they fell off the ATV. But I would like to point out that when they were on the ATVs, he was in the front. She was in the back. He was swinging it back and forth, looking <laughs> like he was going to fall off, covering her in mud. Yeah. So like. If, if mom's going to kill you, she's going to kill you for dirtying up the daughter. <laughs> like you want her to look good. Let her ride in front or ride side by side. But the fact you're kicking up all this mud, she was like, yeah, I'm going to let you do you. Like I'm just <laughs> on here to not die because I'm enjoying your company. Right. But he was definitely doing him. I'm loving that since this season is a COVID season and they're filming it in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. that everyone kind of sees everything. So when he comes out, so Matt shows up, has the date card, goes on a date with Bray. He puts on her helmet. All the girls are standing there like on a balcony watching him put the helmet on Bray. And they're just jealous. Yeah, there was so much jealousy. Because <laughs> they could see everything. Normally you go to another location and then in that other location is where you get that stuff done. Yeah. But here they're seeing them put on the, the helmet and then them right off on the dual ATVs. And then they go out into like the woods and like go off-roading. Yeah, and he goes and dirties her up and throws her off an ATV. Right. And then he is like, all right, well, now that we're here, I'm going to put you in this wooden hot tub. But first, let me take off my shirt so you can see my 16-pack. Right. And I'm going to split one piece of wood. <laughs> there, there's no way that that With one piece tiny of- tiny axe. Yeah. Like, there was no reason to do that. The wood would have burned the hot, like, you had your hot tub ready to go. It was to see his abs glisten. And and Brie did. And she blushed. Uh Uh-huh. She was enjoying it. And then the next thing we know, they're in the hot tub, and they're trying to make it seem like they're both naked in there. Like Yeah, but they weren't. They were both wearing bathing suits. But, like, they didn't show the bathing suits like i'm very interested in the bathing suit game i'm very interested in all the fashion choices that the men and the women on this show wear especially the women because the women it's like none of them wear the same thing twice right so like how many suitcases did you bring so they i was reading something about wardrobe they bring like you could bring two but if you bring more than that you bring more than that but you got to pay for your own luggage if you travel okay so if you bring over two if you bring like five you have to pay for the extra three bags. Jeez. Also, you have to lug them all around yourself. The Bachelor does no favors for the ladies. The Bachelor himself, he gets a lot of things. The uh-huh. women have to do their own makeup. They have to bring all their clothes. Right. It's all on them. So what happens is they try not to wear. You don't want to wear the same dress twice. They also share a lot of clothes and alter a lot of clothing looks. Yeah. So that way they can all like look different. Right. While they're out there doing stuff because you don't. 
you don't want to wear the same thing. So you see them in confessionals, they're wearing like, you'll see like a shirt be worn like three, four times in a confessional uh-huh. by three or four different girls because they've traded. So that way you just don't get caught looking in the same shirt as like last week. Okay. So they do that a lot. And you could, like I said, you can bring as many pieces of luggage as you want, but that's where it gets tough. And then guys and girls have both spent upwards of four to $5,000 on like new wardrobe pieces. So that way you could wear them on the show. I was reading this article about it, which is how I know all this information. I read this earlier this week. And one of the guys was said that he should have spoke to clothing companies uh-huh. and gotten some shirts and clothes from them. So that's what the budding influencers do before they go on the show. That's a smart move. So you know what I'm doing if I'm on this show? What? I'm doing Rent the Runway, and I'm doing the address as the mansion. That's, a, that's an idea. Because I wear one thing, I send it back, they send me another thing. So if you do two things, basically, like, you're wearing one thing while you're sending the other thing back, and then they send it back, and you have the next thing lined up ready to go. How long does shipping take, though? No idea. I've never done Rent the Runway. So I don't know. That's the reason I don't know if that works. I know that Becca, Becca, mm-hmm. from a couple seasons Becca. ago, mm-hmm, she said that Anything that still had a tag on, even if she wore it, she took it back. Makes sense. All the sense in the world. Because they're wearing, because you're wearing it one time. Right. And then maybe another girl wears it a second time. Right. And that's kind of it. So you're spending thousands of dollars on new clothes. So that way you look good on TV. But it, it, it's not for long. So I'm wondering, did, was Brie like, don't show this swimsuit. I want to wear it again. Maybe. Uh, she probably didn't. She probably didn't have any say, but she probably wore the swimsuit, and they wanted. They opted to try to make her look naked in the hot tub because she was all dirty from the mud. Yeah, and so they were trying to play up that aspect. So, so then the other thing is like, obviously they were both covered in mud. Did they make them shower before they get in the hot probably, tub? Probably, yeah. So where was the shower? Um, so there was probably like an outdoor shower that they set up just so like it was some water falling. That was mm. nothing crazy, because you you still have to. You have PAs that set all that stuff up and take it all down. Right. And so you have, you want to make it as easy and feasible to get it done quickly as possible. So you get the whole shot. That's fair. So the same thing happens like in the last one-on-one, Sarah goes on the one-on-one and they go on that biplane. Mm-hmm. Everyone's, they, they fly over the hotel. Make all the women sit outside until the plane gets there. Mm-hmm. And that, that way they can see the plane come by and have to wave at Sarah. Matt looked terrified to be in that plane. I don't blame him. <laughs> I'm not afraid of heights. I think I'll be okay. But I know that uh, for some people, that's not going to fly. So I <laughs> fly. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not hopping in any biplane whatsoever. And I think it's funny because he was like, have you ever been in a plane this small? And she was like, I've been in a plane. Like, <laughs> she's like, it's just a plane. I'm like, not all planes are created equal. Well, my favorite part is that after that, they go and they, I forgot they do the second thing. And then they went to dinner and Matt was looking for her to open up because Bree opened up talking. He has like a lot of daddy issues. Like, yeah, he he his dad was black. His mom's white. Matt is Matt's family. So he has, seems to have a lot of identity stuff because he keeps asking these girls about father influences. So I think that has to do with the fact that when you don't grow up with the family, it's something that you want, so it's something you're searching for right. in the relationship. And that's what he seems to be looking for here. So, like, when he was talking to Bree, he was talking about her father, 
and how involved he was in her life. And she was talking about her mom raised her as a single mom. He's yeah. like, oh, I feel that. It kind of happened to me too. And then when he talked to Sarah, Sarah's dad is fighting Lou Gehrig's disease. Right. That, that they talked about extensively. And she didn't really want to open up about it because she was a news anchor, quit her job. At least alluded to that she quit her job. She said that she left her job. That doesn't mean okay, she didn't get another let's, let's job. Let's be straight. It's not that she doesn't want to open up. It's that she's a normal person <laughs> and wants to open up on a normal timeline. Like, I've known you for three whole days, and I've only seen you once in those three yeah, days. We've maybe spent two hours together. Yeah, tops. Be- because we flew on the biplane, mm-hmm. and then we got separated. Maybe six hours at this point because we've had dinner, or we've had like uh, we've had like a second activity, yeah. and we sit around waiting for them to set up the shots and everything. Yeah. And so maybe like five to six hours total. But it's all supervised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I don't even know your middle name. I'm not giving you my life story. Right, at least not yet. And I, and we'll get there. Right. But not yet. So, and that's the part that's tough with this show is you're expected to like proceed through the steps very quickly. So by the end of your first date, like you've already have to be emotionally vulnerable and shed a tear and let them know some deep, dark secret. Right. And, and I don't know you. She, yeah. And she wasn't ready to do that. And I don't blame her. Well, she eventually tells him a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't go into great detail, but tells him enough. And he like is sympathetic, gives her a rose. All oh, that's great. Right. But in the middle of all this, we had a group date. And boy, was it a group date. That so, was fun. Throughout the episode, we had Victoria, who title queen she um so victoria was jealous during the first group date or the first one-on-one date and said that she wishes she was bring the other girls are pretty much telling her to shut up then she got mad because she felt like they were bullying her before the group date she gets mad at marilyn specifically because she felt like she's a the biggest bully and she's sharing a room with her and she dramatically leaves the room and sleeps on the couch yeah they go on the group date with like 18 women, which is unheard of. That's an insane number of women. Yeah, there's 25 women left and 18 went on one date. Yeah. So these 18 women go on this date. While they're at this date, the date is that they're going to put on wedding dresses and do like a photo shoot with Matt and Bruno, I think his name was. Bruno, the photographer. For the show. And they're going to look what their wedding photos look like. But. They're doing these photos in front of all of the other women. Right. So they're jealous, but they're seeing that they're like, has his, he has his hand around their shoulders, around their waist. They're seeing that they're doing a kiss. They're getting a shot of them kissing. Which is super uncomfortable <laughs> all the way around. But that's how the show does. They put them in uncomfortable situations. Well, as they're picking out their wedding dresses, because they're all looking at different racks, Victoria is extra. So extra. So, so extra. They get to the photo shoot and Bruno's calling them one by one to do their photos. And while he's doing photos, I believe with Mari, mm-hmm. Victoria decides that her turn is now or next. She doesn't care. Yeah. And Bruno's like, we'll get to you. Don't worry. And <laughs> yeah. she's like, no, no, I'm now. Yeah. And so this is what upset me, CJ. You know how I feel about her. He called Piper's name next. Uh huh. And Victoria just butted herself in there to go next. Well, I mean, if you see Piper going in front of you, you're not letting Piper go in front of you because well, you're never getting another after shot. After you just saw Mari go. Yeah. Because Mari's gorgeous, too. You just, I think Mari was Miss 
USA or something like that. Which Puerto Rico, I think that's what we read. Yeah. So she just went with Matt. Matt looks into the photo. His photo's with Victoria, though. He does not look like he wants to be there. Oh, she... So... They do a villain every season. A few villains sometimes. A few villains. But, like, it's typically, like, the pro wrestling villain of, like, they're bad, but they're, they're like, you love to hate them. Right. Like, they put them there to be annoyed, but, like, game, respect, game. I get why you're being annoying. Victoria is not a fun villain. No. Game does not respect game. Just get her off my TV. And I think we have, like, two more weeks of her. And then that's probably it. I hope so. I I I would not be upset if she fell down the stairs at the mansion <laughs> and just disappeared from our screen. <laughs> Victoria's like, no longer clear to compete. Yeah, I don't want her to be cleared to compete anymore. She needs to get off the screen. Like I swear, I understand the purpose of the villain. Right. I enjoy the villain most seasons, even though they're annoying. But she's bad. She yeah. is unobjectively bad television because she's not fun to hate. You just hate her. Right. And she was on full display. So like first you have her complaining about, oh, I want to be on this date. I'm not here to be in a sorority with you girls. I want to be on the date with him. Okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. Like I get that. But you're so like, you don't have to be a bitch about it. Right. So then you do the date. And you just decide, okay, all eyes on me. I'm going to do this right now. I'm taking the spotlight. Right. And just make everyone uncomfortable. You just bulldogs her way in there. And then she does the date and like she decides, okay, now you're taking my garter off, which even Matt seemed uncomfortable. Then she decides she's going to make out with him and he kept trying to pull away. Yeah. And she kept kissing him. Yeah. Like. If that was a dude doing that to a girl, how would we feel about that? It's not okay. That's not okay. It's not okay. And it's not okay what she did. So why are we sitting here laughing about it being uncomfortable? No, not cool. So then Chris comes and breaks it up because Chris at least sees that my my man Matt is uncomfortable. Let's pull him out of this situation. And go to the second part of the date, which is now the girls are going to have a giant game of capture the flag, but with paint. And no rules. And no rules. And so they have to grab the, they're, they're splitting the two teams, the gold team and the red team. Right. And they have to go grab this giant heart. And your girl, MJ, after going back and forth, first off, Piper's strategic chops, amazing. Piper yeah. sat there and she rolled out a strategy of how half were going to flank one way, the other half were going to flank the other way. And that's how they were going to get the heart. It was fantastic. I'm, I'm pretty sure Piper did ROTC at some point, watching her strategize <laughs> her way through that battle. And she like definitely had like little markers that she pointed to to uh-huh. say who's doing what. Then after they they did that, the way that the MJ got up in there and tried to grab the heart, and then Mari's big time defense trying to stop them. I I told you MJ was a. Dark Horse Final Four. <laughs> She's a gamer. She's a gamer. I didn't see that coming, but I knew. I, I could tell she was special. And then Mari, she, I did not see that coming. <laughs> Mari was doing her best. Yeah. She was just like, I'm going to do this. And at the end of the day, Piper's team wins. Victoria's on Piper's team. Unfortunately. And with Piper's team winning, they get to go to the second part, third part of the date, where they basically get to have dinner or cocktails with, with Matt. 
can I wait before we move on? Can I just say I'm very upset MJ did not get that MVP? Well, they gave they didn't give the MVP to someone on the losing team. Yeah, they shouldn't have. They should have gave it to MJ. No, it's just so that way they get another person on the date. Okay, you wrong though. I mean, that's exactly what it was for. So you get one person from the losing team, team which was Mari, mm-hmm. and then the, the all the winners. So like, if MJ's team lost, if Piper's team lost, then MJ probably gets the MVP for going for it. Nah, Victoria definitely gets it. No, I don't think so. I think the producers make. Her I don't get think so it. because there's no reason to give it to Victoria because Victoria's done enough to make herself known. Drama. You want more drama. But she's not doing anything in the competition to get herself there. I see Victoria shoehorning her way into the date. I don't know how by hook or by crook. She just shows up. That's what they've been yeah, doing. Yeah, they recently. don't give her the MVP. Like it, it looks bad to the other girls if she gets the MVP. So, so you give the MVP to MJ and then Victoria still shows up. So they do the date and then the losers have to go back to the hotel and they sit on the couch with the girls who were just hanging out mm-hmm. and they're covered in paint and yep. they're like, what happened? Yeah. So at this point we are watching and I'm like, but like the winners have to go get ready though. So like, do they send them somewhere else or do they also go back with the losing girls and the losing girls have to wait and sit there in their filth while the winning girls get ready for the date? That's probably what happens. And they probably bring them in separate groups. Yeah. Which is funny that like, not only are you mad that you lost, but now you got to sit here dirty and think about your loss <laughs> while they all like go and like get primp and preen mm-hmm. and go get, go talk to yo man. And then, so we get to the cocktail party and everything seems to be going well. But Matt gets some time with Victoria. He gets some time with Marilyn first. And he gives uh-huh. her an orchid. Because she said that's her favorite flower. And it's very thoughtful. Matt is turning out to be more thoughtful than I thought he was. Or at least his I, producer is. I was very... I was very sure that that was producer intervention. Like, I think he's making it a point to get to know the girls. But I don't think he plucked that out of his brain and set that up ready to go. I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Because I, I know it could work both ways. I think someone might have suggested it to him. And he said, that's a good idea. But he gives Marilyn the orchid, especially after not taking her on any dates. Because she wasn't on the group date. Right. And so that was a good sign that she was going to be around. But then Victoria gets some time with Matt. And basically ruins all chances that Marilyn has at making something happen here long term. So here's, this is where it was very evident that Matt has never been on the show before. Like he's never been a contestant. And is easily emotionally manipulated Mm -hmm. because even though it's very obvious that he has no interest in Victoria and is waiting to be allowed to send her home, the fact that he confronted Marilyn Marilyn about it and would not back down. Right. Especially because she was like, this is not who I am. I wish Marilyn was able to get some other girls in there to like vouch for her character. Right. But like, you could very much tell when people have been on the show before that they're going through the motions when they know who the villain is. Mm-hmm. Like any other, like let's say that was, well now P- Pilot Pete was dumb, which I was very sad we didn't get Pilot Pete flying the biplane. <laughs> but like if you would have had Nick Vile there, Nick would have been like, Marilyn, let me talk to you for a minute. And he's going to have that conversation, but it's going to be a much softer conversation. Like, he doesn't go after her the way that Matt did. And it's interesting to me that Matt bought into what Victoria was saying when it's very evident that he wants nothing to do with her. Right. 
So Victoria, and the other thing is anyone who's been on this show for a while knows that if you come to me talking about someone else, you're not here for me. So anytime somebody comes in and talks about another contestant on the show, neither of them are winning. Right. I mean, you saw uh, Ashley I mm-hmm. and uh, what's her face a couple of years ago. Well, you just saw it with Claire this last season with Yosef and, the, and Tyler. That's true. Like That's Tyler true. went home that night. Yosef showed himself the door the next episode. True. And so Maryland's not winning. Neither is Victoria. So if you guys have them in your server, in your office pool, go ahead and just take that L right now. Yep. But at the end, during the rose ceremony, someone paints. I I don't understand. It was Sarah. Yeah. I don't understand why she was fainting when she had a rose. I don't. I think it was just like the stress of it. This is the first rose ceremony outside of the initial night. Mm-hmm. But and she's yes, got she a rose. A rose. There's no it's stress. Still, it's still a stressful experience. But we didn't see anyone go home. Yeah. So every week we pick someone to go home before we watch the episode. Yep. And no one went home this night. I was sad. I'm just going to go on the record for next Monday. I'm still picking Serena C. <laughs> Serena C is going home. I don't care if she makes it to the final two. I am picking her to go home every week. I think Anna's going home because Anna got didn't go on a date. Nope. She didn't talk to Matt the first night. Nope. She got no screen time except for confessionals. Nope. So I think Anna has a good chance of going home. And yeah. if she doesn't go home, I don't know when Matt's going to talk to her. And then realize, you know what? If she doesn't go home, it's because he forgot she's there. Like he said the name. And then every time she walks up, he's like, oh, that's Anna. Oh, that's Anna. But here's the thing. Like, as we've talked about, when you're on the season. So like first night, there's 30 some odd contestants. You just got to be cute. You got to right. be cute and, and don't Anna's say anything cute. stupid. And you're good. And it's cute. The second night. She has bright eyes. Yeah. So now you're going from, let's say, 25 to like. 18. 18. Again, you just got to be cute and not annoy me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it can work to your benefit that you didn't go on the group date. Because somebody could have went on the group date and did something you didn't like. And now they're gone. Especially with 18 girls. Mm-hmm. It's very high likelihood. Yeah. So again, I think she can skate through this week. But next week, if she doesn't get no time, if she gets no time, it doesn't. So there was one season, and there was that I we watched. I forget what season it was, but there was this girl named Samantha, mm-hmm. and she had really pretty eyes. And I picked her as one of my three girls that could pop, possibly win it all in the the before times before podcast. Samantha made it to the final eight. She got no screen time. Yeah, she did not do a single interview. She was just in the background, and then she got kicked off. Anna could do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I felt, uh, felt about Sarah V from Nick Vile's season. She was like a teacher out of Orange County. Uh-huh. And she had very bright eyes, very cute, no screen time. Disappeared at like, like 10. 10. Yeah. Just fell through the cracks. And and it could be that person. Um, I did like his little thing, his little thing with Abigail. Uh, yeah. She's hard of hearing. There's like a like a little earlobe not, uh, nudge. To say that I'm thinking about you, that they did to each other. I feel like when he gave her her rose, he did pull out his ear. I, I think so. I think they have a little thing that they got going on there. She got the first impression rose. I like her chances. I like Bree's chances. Yeah, Bachelor Twitter is all about Abigail right now. How could they not be? There's a good chance that I think she might be the next Bachelorette. I could see that. And it would be really, really nice if, if she was, especially with her being hearing impaired and everything mm-hmm. like that. That would be super cool. Make that happen, ABC. Hashtag Make that Team happen. Abigail. Hashtag Team Abigail. I think that's it for the Bachelor this week. I think next week we're going to have really a uh, very dramatic episode. 
probably the most dramatic episode this season yet. Yeah. And so we're going to have our most dramatic segment yet. But right now we're going to actually talk about our most dramatic segment, The Challenge. What a great show. Oh, I love The Challenge. And I love Tori Deal, but she has been playing terribly. So it's it's funny because Future Wife has never watched The Challenge before. Okay. So she's been watching over my shoulder, basically. Yep. And just commenting and making observations. And I told her how much I love Tori Deal. And she's like, Tori, not a big deal. And I was like, how dare you? How dare you? But she's like, she's just coming in and she's trashing the rookies. I said, yeah, true. The problem is, is because this was a brand new format. So nobody knows how the game is played. With the switching of the partners. Yeah. A lot of these vets are used to coming in, especially the ones that have social clout yeah. and being mob bosses. Yep. And Tori and fully expected to come in and be a mob boss. With no Jordan, no no uh, Johnny Bananas. Yeah. And there's like a vacuum. It's a, no Cara Maria. No, there's a power vacuum. Yeah. So Tori, who was normally like sixth or seventh banana, is now second banana. Yeah. Like it's team Tori Corey. Timori. Yeah, Timori. Uh, Nisa's there. Uh, Nisa's been on oh, Elder Statesman, and she's best friend with Elder Statesman. Because, mm-hmm. like, even someone like CT, who never is in the social game portion, he just beast his way through the game. He's still on the bottom. Yeah. But you had Corey, Leroy, Anissa, uh, Cam. Cam, Tori. Like, they're the ones running social game, which this is brand new yeah for a lot like Corey's used to being in this position Devin is used to working from the bottom yeah trying to work weasel his way in but a lot of these people are used to not being the ones calling the shots but rather being loyal soldiers so when Tori's sitting there talking like a mob boss about how she wants to get rid of these newbies the newbies rose up Mm -hmm. and the newbies because they're paired with some vets who can do some things they're in good spots well, this, this episode started off with uh, the trial of Fessy Shavat. Fessy had to stand there and take heat from Corey and from Josh. Josh okay. was, Josh was being a big dumb idiot. Yeah. Baby shit. I was going to say, Corey actually held his own pretty well. Yeah. And he was like, man, don't call that dude a friend because he's not right. your friend. Like, the, what you did to him is not what friends do. I, I gained some respect for Corey. Because I thought Corey was going to come at him different, but Corey just came at him with facts. Corey said basically what any other person would have said, which is, how are you going to call me your friend and then do this? How are you going to call that dude your friend and then do this? And Fessy's like, well, you know, like, I had my shot, so I took it. I'm like, you don't do that to your friends. I was losing a friend anyway. Yeah. And then that's why they're like, that's why you're selfish, bro. Because you were Mm -hmm. just looking out for yourself. You said, I'm losing a friend anyway. I might as well go get my gold skull. Because for me. And then like, if this if this was a wrestling match, Josh jumped the barrier to get in there. <laughs> it's like nobody was talking to you, Josh. Right. And then he jumped the banister and then yeah. came in the ring. And Josh is like, you know, you're selfish. And Fess is like, you just want you're scared to go in all the time anyway. Yeah. Which Josh is. Which is true. Yeah. I don't care what Josh has to say. Josh is a big dumb idiot. Yeah. And so they had that little fight. Um Tori was there too doing whatever. So um, yeah, and then Tori like ran in from backstage to keep the wrestling analogy going. Like she was watching from gorilla position. Yeah. And then she was like, Ooh, let me go get in there. And then she like ran down and hit the ring to put in her two cents, which like Tori Devin set Tori up perfectly. Yeah. And 
w- looking at their like following them on social media and listening to them talk about each other, like I don't know how much of it is them playing up, how much they dislike each other, and how much they actually dislike each other. I don't think Devin loves Tori. I think Tori thought it was all for fun. Now she like realizes it's not. Yeah. So they like I don't think they like each other, but I don't think they hate each other. Is right. the, t- the main takeaway? The gist I had. of it. Yeah. So hey, at least the, both of them are making a name for either one, right? So. De- but like Devin set her up by like, we're going to do what's best for our game right now. Yeah. Then Tori with her stupid speech of I'm going to help my friend out, which could have been taken as I'm helping Anissa until Fessy opened his big dumb mouth. And we just like look at each other. And we just like, no, you know? Yeah. Like, I think they might have been smashing. I think you might have been cheating on Jordan. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Did you notice that when they were, they were showing a close up of Tori when she was sitting in her bed and there was a picture of her and Jordan in the back and it was blurred out? Oh, because Jordan probably didn't release, didn't allow them to have his face. In the I just thought it was interesting that it yeah. was blurred out. Um, but Tori could have played up the fact that she was trying to help Anissa, even knowing full well it was probably a men's elimination. But right. she could have played that up and then Fessy opened his mouth, which made Tori another persona. An accomplice. She was an accomplice of the crime. Right. So then she goes in and she starts going at Josh when they all get back instead of going after Fessy. Well, because she could have turned, she could have disavowed Fessy at that moment. But Josh did, from what I understand, Josh did tell both of them that he didn't want to go in. Fine. Cool. But like Josh is putting on a show, whatever. Nobody likes Josh anyway. But like this was the perfect time for Tori to be like, I wasn't trying to help you, Fessy. Real quick, speaking of Josh, super funny. I saw on Instagram that Devin had an Instagram photo up from the season. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Josh had one comment and it was 72. <laughs> because he kept yelling at him, was it eight times nine? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. He finally figured out that math. <laughs> but <laughs> Do you think he waited till he got home and used a calculator? Uh, he, just did, uh, he just posted that just like a couple days ago. So it's been weeks. <laughs> oh, he asked somebody for it. Yeah, he had to ask somebody. But yeah, so Tori goes out there and she does that. So then we get to the daily challenge. We get to the daily challenge and we hear that Natalie has not been cleared to compete and she has to leave. So that wasn't medical. Yes, it was. She was pregnant. Oh, that makes sense. She's pregnant. Um, and she found out she was eight weeks pregnant at the time. She's been going on doing the podcast rounds and she's been talking about it. And she mm-hmm. did an article in um E E W Entertainment Weekly. Okay. Um, on Wednesday. And turns out that she found out that she was eight weeks pregnant. The way she found out was because she was talking to Nadia, her sister, uh-huh. 20. Um, she was talking to 20 from Amazing Race. And she told her that her period was late. Like talking to her on the show while yeah, she was like there. in her video call. Yeah. And so she said her period late. Her sister told her to take a pregnancy test. And Natalie said that she felt like she was in the best shape of her life. Like she had been training super hard. She was wrestling with her, her boyfriend, 250-pound boyfriend. They were like yeah. wrestling and getting her ready for the challenge. And she had just come off Survivor when she, right before she went out there. She had just come off Winners at War. Okay. And so she was very surprised. She didn't think that there was any way she could be pregnant. Because she said her she said she noticed her boobs got bigger, but that was kind of it. It was one time. <laughs> no, she said that only her boobs got bigger. She thought she would have gained more weight. And so she was trim and slim and coming in there. And so she took a pregnancy test. Turns out she was eight weeks pregnant. Um, she said it was just her, like a producer that went to a clinic. Yeah. And they found that out. And so, so she knew she was going to get pulled. She just didn't know when. 
Or, oh, so like she knew it was coming. Yeah, and that's why they were very discreet about it because she didn't want anyone to know because uh-huh. she wasn't sure what she was going to do about it. Well, also, if you're eight said. weeks, you don't want to tell people. Right. And like she said she doesn't know what she wanted to do about it because I don't know if that her and Devin, they had been dating for about a year. Devin's her boyfriend uh-huh. back home in Jersey. And I don't think, I think that she didn't know what she wanted to do about it. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Well, she gets home. Um, she starts to transition her mindset to being a mom. Uh-huh. And they had a miscarriage. Ugh. So she's been going around doing the rounds and talking about it because of the miscarriage and like how yeah. it was nothing she did. It's not her fault. It's just something that happens. She's talked to a lot of people, got a lot of help with it. So she's now feels comfortable talking about it. So I hope I was able to do her story some justice as I've now talked about it. Makes sense. But that's why she was removed. Because she was pregnant. Um That's what I thought at first, but then I was sitting there talking to future wife and started talking about other stuff and was like maybe there's like a covid death in the family or yeah. something like that but like the the way that they handled it initially my first reaction is she was pregnant yeah and so that they kept that quiet oddly enough if you think about it that's like three pregnancies on this season yeah so Liv was pregnant mm-hmm. natalie was pregnant found out and then this week Teresa announced that her, her and tj jones are having a third baby wow so that's three pregnancies. I mean, one season. You, it's COVID. What else are you going to do with your I free time? I guess. And they just came in with these babies. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, so Teresa's also pregnant. So shouts to her. Her mm-hmm. and TJ Jones are having a baby. Um, so with Natalie getting removed, they brought back an agent. They reactivated. There, there was agent. yeah. There was a breach. There was a security breach. <laughs> I love how much they're playing up the theme this season. <laughs> love it. Security breach. Ashley is coming back. They bring out Ashley. And so I was happy to see Ashley come back. I was happy to see her come back too because I feel like she didn't get a fair shake. Yeah. Because it was the, well, we're going to get out the champs early. Another example of the rookies rising up. The uh, rookie uprising. Yeah. And yet Tori's out there talking like a mob boss. So like, I love that Ashley gets another shot. And... Being paired with Corey, that's a good partner for her. You know what? These girls, I'm just thinking about it right now. There's a good chance that some some girls that may not be considered deserving make the final. because Nat- So Natalie getting eliminated or getting removed. Only her, girl with the skull. Her skull went back into the pool. Right. Into the pool. They started with 15 girls. Uh-huh. We lost three to injuries and pregnancy. Okay. So we're down to 12 girls. And five are getting skulls. And five are getting skulls. Uh-huh. That's going to be interesting. So it's funny because I'm sitting there and I like I'm not an avid challenge watcher because I had given it up, you know, out of respect Sarah to Rice. Sarah Rice. And I'm watching now for the first season since Dirty 30. Like this is the prism that I'm watching it through. And I'm looking at these girls and I'm like. A lot of these girls about to get carried through this final. Because but they, but Queen T is probably going to get carried through the final. <laughs> we'll get to that because we're about to talk about this daily challenge. But like a lot, like I'm sitting there and I'm explaining them and future wife's like, I don't understand why Tori's so mean to these new girls. I said, well, it's like any team sport where you have the girls, like you have the girls that are there with, with their boyfriend that they're participating because whatever. And then you have the girls who are about being there. Natalie was a girl that was about being there. Um, okay, so here's the thing. We're going to talk about Tori extensively towards the end of this thing about how she ends up going in. But I don't agree with anything that Tori has 
said there, and I don't agree with anything Tori has said since while I listened to her podcast. I don't agree with anything she said there either. Calling but. them weak is not okay. No, it's not. Um, calling them inexperienced is, but calling them weak is not it's not fine, especially, especially when you try to say that they're weak because they're rookies, but you intentionally do not mention Natalie or Lolo. Correct. Because they are scary. Right. So you can't just say they're weak because they're new. You're calling them weak because of their stature. So for you to try to change it and say it's because of their experience in the game is BS. Right. It's complete BS. Because Natalie, because of Lolo, those two are beasts and you don't want to see them. Right. They are stronger than everyone there. Lolo's walking around in her Team USA jacket. Did you see that? Yeah. In the deliberations, she's wearing a Team USA Olympian jacket. Oh, I was watching that, and I was like, nice flex. Yeah, super flex. Yeah. Right? And so, for you to say that, oh, no, you're not weak, but like inexperienced. We're trying to get in the inexperienced girls. You're not, because Lolo should be going down there. Mm -hmm. And no one wants to see Lolo. Nope. You're not, because you should get Natalie back in there. Right. Because no one wants to see Natalie. Nope. They said that Natalie was was training, the weather was terrible, and Natalie would train in the rain. Yeah. She's the only one apparently out there. No guys. She was the only one out there training in the rain. Which it's interesting because they do show them training and not supporting what Tori said, but you don't see any of the girls she's calling weak training. Eh, but that could be narrative. No, I know, but it's even if it is narrative, they always show the dudes training. Yeah, but yeah. and they show Natalie training and they show Lolo training. What I'm saying is, even if they are out there training, they are not training to the level that the people who are there know what it takes to be in the final. I guess. Maybe. Anissa's not training either. Well, neither is Cam. Does, well, does Anissa ever train? And like, neither is Cam. You don't see Leroy really out there. You see him a little bit, but not really. Well, because Cam and Leroy are bodybuilders. They're not doing cardio. And they're not even showing, they're showing now I'm out there a little bit, but like not to the level you think you would see him. You know what I want to see? You I want to see Josh's see, big thumb stuff out there. I want to see Leroy and Cam in a swimming race. <laughs> it's, it would be it's bad. It they, would be real bad. They no, they they swam in the season maybe a season or two ago. They both had to swim in their competition. It was bad for both of them. They're on the same team. The I know. team lost. I want I want to see them in a race one on one. It would be tough. It would be tough. But we get to the daily competition. Daily competition is I forgot the name of Skyfall. And so the girls are hanging on to an edge of a thing, and then at some point TJ hits a button, and then the the feet the fall out. out. Yeah. yeah, and then they have to like just hold on with their arms. While their guys have to pull up this rope. 200 feet of rope. For no reason, but they pull up 200 feet of rope. Then they have to run once it's done and go grab their hands. I think the only purpose of the rope was to gas out the guys. That's correct. I agree. I agree. So they did that. Um, Jay, impressive. Yes. Jay got done super quick. Grabbed there, grabbed Teresa's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not think that Fessy was going to do well, and then he didn't. Well, so do you think Fessy does better with Anissa if in the same challenge no I think Fessy has baby muscles I think he does worse with Anissa so fun fact from the from the challenge Tori and Anissa were standing next to each other on the platform uh-huh. right um, the reason Anissa and Tori fall at the same time uh-huh. is because Leroy gets there and as they're holding it Tori says Leroy you should change up your grip because he was holding her hand straight across <laughs> and he tells her you need to she says you need to cross, cross your grip. arms yeah. And hold on to Anissa's hands. As she was crossing the, his arms, 
TJ hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they fell at the same time. That's funny. Because Devin Dell wasn't really trying too hard. No, he wasn't. There. And everyone else started to fall. Josh did okay holding up um, Cam. Yeah. No, he's now paired with... He was paired with Cam. Kyle traded with Cam. He's now paired with... I forgot he's paired with. One, one of the forgettable girls. Yeah, one of those girls. I forgot he's paired with. But he, he did a fine holding... Oh, Nani. Duh. I'm dumb. He held up Nani a little bit. Nani's little. He should have been able to hold her up. <laughs> but in the second heat, we have Big CT getting done with the rope super quick. Baby little T. Bit, team Big CT is my favorite team. Oh, yeah. Team Big CT. I'm CT is my favorite challenger now that Sarah's gone. And so Team Big CT, and then he's he's so funny. And then he gets over there and he grabs little T's hands and he holds her because little T probably weighs 95, 100 pounds. Yeah. And so he holds her. And I felt bad for Amber Amber M because if Michi was a little bit stronger, they'd been fine. They would have been fine too because she was yeah. a little, little too. But man, Big CT holds on that big T. And they won. They won a daily challenge. So I'm fairly certain that they could have gone for a week because yeah. CT counted down before he dropped her, which means they told them that they won. Yeah. How much time was left? He says five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. And then he like lets her go. Yeah. So they definitely counted, like said, okay, y'all won. And he beat her by like five seconds. They beat, they beat Jay and Teresa by five seconds. Which I'm sure it went something along the lines of CT's holding them. And then the producer says, okay, you won. And then he looks at... T? Oh, yeah, and he like, goes, all right. You ready? What? <laughs> Three, two, one, bye. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's how that went. And he lets her go. So then at that point, um, the, the rookie girls have hatched a plan to try to get Tori against Anissa. Which CT was about it. CT was fine with it. He's like, yeah. if that's what you want to do, that's fine. That's what you want to do. He said, so Big T that she could handle all the political. Mm-hmm. And he was going to take care of just the... The muscle. Yeah. So with that being the case... She goes in there and she plays. She's the whole queen act, which was so funny. That was refreshing. I enjoyed so it. So funny. She makes them like she. She tells Amber B and Amber M, "You guys aren't safe. I need you. I need you, <laughs> Ashley. I need you because Ashley's one of her yeah. few friends. So is Teresa. She's like, I need you to get my clothes. I need you to bring me some water. I need you. <laughs> and she becomes Queen Big T. They get to the club. She puts up a, a homemade sign that says reserved. Yeah. And they put up some velvet ropes. They have security. The VIP <laughs> section. It was all fun and games. It was all fun and games. But the whole time, Big T is hatching the plan to get Anissa put in as the boat. So I know that the plan was Anissa because they thought that Tori was going to try to rally the votes. Do you think Tori could have rallied the votes? Um, I don't know. I don't think she could have. I don't. Well, Fessy's not voting in Tori, but I don't think he voted in Anissa either. I think he burned his vote. But Leroy burned his vote on himself. Yeah, which I thought was weird. Um, so a little behind the scenes from what I was hearing on the podcast, Teresa, who's in with the rookie girls, mm-hmm. was going around telling Cam that Tori wanted Cam in. Huh. So she's trying to get her to align with the rookies. I don't know what the 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 play would be, but I think if Teresa was doing that, Leroy burns on Anissa and himself, so that way Cam doesn't go in. Right. Cam burns on Anissa and himself on him and Leroy, her and Leroy, so that way Cam doesn't go in. Right. Because they were just trying to put the votes on somewhere else that they heard that there might be votes. Okay. And so Anissa goes in. 
Big T then calls up Tori and has Tori go down there to fight Anissa. Right. Once again, best friends versus best friends. Which I found interesting that CT had the conversation with Lolo about if you get there and you see it and you want to do it, let me know. I'll put you in. Obviously, Lolo got there and didn't like what she saw. Right. But you want to have someone like Lolo on your side. Yeah. Because she's a beast, especially if you have to change partners in the middle of the final challenge. Correct. She's someone I would want to change with and have that as my partner. Correct. So they go in there and they compete and it was looking great. I knew from the first looks that Anissa was going to win this challenge. Oh, yeah. It was a giant thing with the boulders. I said, if Anissa gets a full head of steam, she has the strength to pull it over. And then that's from there. I did not expect Tori to perform so poorly. I didn't either. So I thought Tori's best shot would be Anissa gassing out. Right. Because we were having the conversation and I said that if I'm throwing the uh, the balls, I'm starting from the top and I'm going left to right. So I when they do like a shot on the backside, I was very happy to see that none of the top ones broke out. Right. And on the second level from the top, only the far left one did. But you wouldn't know that. I would start at the bottom, though. I wouldn't start at the top. So the reason why I would have started at the top is because I'm assuming that I'm going to gas out. And as I gas out, I don't want to have to throw it higher. So I'm going to start at the top and work my way down. The reason I would start at the bottom is because I just hope that there's more at the bottom. Sure enough, all five broke out at the bottom. But I would have went across the rows. I just would have went from left to right. I would have went left to right. But see, you would you would have, if we started at the same time throwing, you would have beat me just because I would have started at the top. Mm-hmm. And you would have taken all your energy to throw it up there. Mm-hmm. But then it bounces. That's another thing. It bounces off. Right. Because it's not, it's not, it's solid. But I know that that one is not breakable. Right. You would have to still be methodical about it. But I, because if you're going in a row, if you're starting at the left and going all the way over and then coming down and then coming back to the, to the left. Mm-hmm. From the right to the left, you would have hit nine that didn't, didn't break. break. <laughs> I know, but I also would have known that, okay, they all break on the bottom. Unfortunately, you started on the bottom, so you've now broken 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing that the reason I thought it was interesting that Tori did so poorly was because it was very obvious to me that she needed momentum to get the thing turned over. So as she was struggling to pull it just with her strength, I could see the trepidation in her eyes and the fear that she, as she was losing this thing yes because she had the same look last season in total madness when she went up against jenna she's a front runner tori's a front runner you mean that when she's she you, in competition tori's a front runner she's at the lead yeah if she doesn't have the lead she folds so she's like the ravens yeah so i agree and i feel like that that's something that she has to do in order to get this done correct with all that being the case and all that being said, Tori loses. Anissa gets her goal school. And then Anissa switches back to Fessy. <laughs> Which Fessy was like, I don't want to be with her. Dude, she is saving your game socially. Yeah. She's yeah. the only one now trying to help you. And you still don't want to be with her? Well, even better, everyone's happy about this decision. Casey's happy about this decision. Uh-huh. Leroy's happy about this decision. Anissa's happy Anissa's about this decision. happy about this decision. But who's not? Fessy, but nobody cares because Fessy's dumb. But yep. we have our first goal, goal team. Correct. The two Which is actually to Fessy's benefit because nobody's trying to stick him in until 
They have to. All the skulls are taken. Yeah, they have to. Right. So I'm really excited. That's the whole rundown of the, the challenge this week. I think Tori made a bad decision trying to call these rookie girls out. I think that was poor play. I don't care how she wants to spin it on her podcast. It, you were calling out them because you thought they were weaker than you. You thought Amber was weaker than you. You thought Big T. You thought Amber B. Amber and, and Amber B. Anytime in any of these games, whether it be the challenge, Big Brother, Survivor, if you go in talking like a mob boss. You got to win. You have to be able to back it up. And unfortunately, Tori could not. And anyone that's on the internet saying that they think that Big T is weak because she put in Anissa instead of going in there and taking care of Tori herself, you're an idiot. Because the whole point was to get her friend versus her friend. Yeah, because at you're trying to limit the votes. Yes, like it's a social game. Friendship. Yeah, it's a social game just as much as it's a physical game. And Tori and Anissa were a voting block. Correct. They're and no they're longer, also trying to run the house. Yeah, and they're no longer a voting block. So, because one of them has to had to go. Mm-hmm. That's why you do it. It's not that she thought that she she needed to prove that she wasn't weak. Who she need to prove it to? The girl that's gone. Nope. Come on, fam. She's gone. Yep. Who cares? So and I don't know. I think that Anissa is safe now until we hit about seven girls. I think they're going to try to come after her skull. Well, I don't think so because based on the numbers we just said, there's 12, 12 girls left, and there's five skulls. We got like Ashley, Amber B, Gabby, Amber M, Big T. We have Cam. We have Nani. We have uh, Casey. We have Anissa. We have Teresa. So none of the rookie girls are going to go after each other's skulls. Right. And there's going to be a point where the rookie girls have to go get their skull. I think that's when they go after Anissa's skull. I think Anissa is one of the few that will have to defend her skull. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And it's going to be a gonna, while. It's going to be one of them trying to go after it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think that Anissa, they will come after her skull versus like when Lolo gets her skull, Lolo has her skull. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see Lolo. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I don't want to go in there against Lolo. Yeah. Oh, Nam did it well. Oh, oh Nam, last thing I want to say, Nam going in there and trying to get, the, trying to help hold Lolo. And then when he had to let her go, him supporting Jay and Teresa, he's like, you got this, Jay. You got this. Yeah. Hold on. You got this. <laughs> like, this is which, great. Which is why the next week on, it seemed like those two teams are working together. So Lolo going after Teresa. I'm very curious what that fight's going to be about. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Uh, CJ, we got to get up out of here. But before we do, you got anything else you want to talk about? So right before we started, you brought up the fact that Cody Bellinger uh, signed a one-year $16 million contract for the Dodgers after salary arbitration. I think salary arbitration is very stupid. So for those who do not know, baseball doesn't have restricted free agency. They have what's called salary arbitration. So basically what happens is if you have less than six years of service time or basically six quote unquote full seasons of MLB experience, you go to arbitration, which works like arbitration in the real world where you go and you say, I think I'm worth X amount of money. And the team goes and says, we think he's worth X amount of money. And then the arbiter will say, okay, based on both cases, you're worth X amount of money. And that's the amount of money you play for for the season. The problem with this is teams will now manipulate service time to make you wait a year to hit free agency. So like bringing up the guy a couple weeks later so that they have an extra year 
So it's really dumb. So like in MLB, in a normal season, you have to have, I believe, 154 days of service time to have it count as a full MLB season. If you don't hit that, it pushes back your free agency by a year, which means the team gets to keep you on a much cheaper deal. So let's say you have a four-year contract as a rookie, and the, the first year, they make you stay in the minors until May 1st so that you miss out on that service time. Well, now you're going to be arbitration eligible instead of two years, you're arbitration eligible for three years, which means they have another year of cost control. And this is really stupid because owners are already freezing out players and artificially deflating money because there's no minimum spend in baseball and there's no salary cap. So I think baseball is really heading towards a reckoning where the players, I don't know if it's going to be a lockout. I don't know if it's going to be a player strike, but when this CBA ends, it's going to be nasty Mm -hmm. because the players are like, you're not paying us. You're sitting on this money. And the owners are basically saying, we don't think you're worth it. And you're already see like you saw it with the vitriol that they fought with to get that 60 game season last year for COVID because the owners didn't want the players to play as many games. because They didn't want to pay them because they were not getting the revenue from having fans in the stands this year. You already have the owner saying, well, we don't want the players to come back until they've all been vaccinated. It's a safety issue. And the players are saying, let us play our 162 games because we want full season checks. And because the owners are hoarding money, the players just want a piece of it. I think it's going to be a very nasty labor dispute. And unfortunately, there's a lot of players that need the money. And in a battle of millionaires versus billionaires, the billionaires usually win. I think it's going to be another lockout. I don't think it's going to be a lockout. I think it might be a player strike. Because... The, usually when there's a lockout, the owners are trying to take more away from the players. Right. And I think the players might strike because they're trying to get money back. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the players stri- went on a strike said, we want a salary floor. We want you to because a team like Tampa Bay doesn't have a lot of money. Obviously. Like, obviously nobody goes to the fans. They don't have a lot of money. Their payroll is $40 million. Right. The Boston Red Sox, who just traded Mookie Betts and David Price prior to last season. They could afford a 200 million payroll. Why are they not paying these dudes? Right. So I think players might say, well, we want a salary floor because you have revenue sharing. So you can afford to prop up the Tampa Bay's of the world, but you're not. Like you're revenue sharing, but they're not spending money. Boston should never be not spending money. I agree. And I don't think they go for a salary cap because the top end of baseball salaries are so exorbitant. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the players ever agree to a cap, but I could see the players arguing for a salary floor. If they want a floor, I'm assuming then the owners would combat with wanting a cap. Obviously. And that's something that the players are going to have to determine. Is it worth it? Because I don't even know where you start with what a baseball salary cap looks like. Do you do something like a hard cap like the NFL? Do you do a soft cap like basketball where you have luxury tax and all this which makes it even more convoluted who really knows but i think you're going to see a major reworking of the financials of baseball in the very near future because i think 
the players have had enough of not getting paid. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see that. Base, I mean, baseball's dumb. <laughs> it's not the challenge. <laughs> it's, it's it could just be so much better. Can't wait to see it on Nickelodeon. Can't yeah. Give me give me home run slime cannons, please. <laughs> CJ, we got to get up out of here. Anything you want to promote? So I'm gonna be coming up on a Disney Channel original movie after dark podcast pretty soon. Doing Camp Rock, check me out. But upon watching Camp Rock, I decided I'm gonna start watching some Disney Channel original movies, and I will be live tweeting. So catch me on Keyboard Sarcasm where you can catch my thoughts on these less than fantastic movies. <laughs> you can find me at KG Fury. I'm on all the socials doing that. Also follow the Fury Podcast Network on social media. Um, we post there about our shows that are coming up and other fun stuff. Uh, keep listening to the show, even if you're listening to this on the the Winner, Take, Winner Takes All podcast feed. Switch over, to, uh, switch over to the Fury Podcast Network. Check it out. We have the Top 5 Go podcast, and we have the DCOM After Dark podcast, that CJ just mentioned, all kicking and firing on all cylinders. So check those out. We have some new podcasts coming down the pipe this year. It's going to be a big year, man, 2021. We're doing big things here at the Fury Podcast Network. Um, I think that's everything with that. Good job, CJ. Good job, Kevin. Uh, bye. Bye. Bye.